You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 50 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you Gina? I'm great, Val. We're fitty, fitty. I know. <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> it, it feels like yesterday that we were 20. I know. Yesterday, so I don't feel fitty. I don't know if we sound fitty. But uh, <laughs> um, how are you going? How was your week? Yeah, good. I think um, we've officially reached middle age, I suppose. No, no, no. 50 is the new 30. Yeah, yeah, 50 is the new 30. That's right. Um, But did you ever think that when we first started this podcast that we would get to 50 episodes? Uh, At episode one, when we recorded that, no. (laughs) (laughs) We've learnt a lot along the way. God, yes. It's been awesome. But what's been the most awesome thing are the listeners because, oh, just, you know, your feedback, your reviews, just your emails and your shout-outs and social media. Thank you so much to everyone because you've kept us going because if no one talks to us, then, <laughs> then, then we don't really, you know, feel very motivated to, <laughs> to produce this podcast. But um, thank you to everyone who has left a rating or review on iTunes. Um, if you do have 30 seconds to do that, we'd really appreciate it. If you're new to us, then thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've, um, you're going to enjoy it. But we want to just give, before we get into this week's topic, which is how to take lifestyle images, something Gina and I are really into because we've just yep. done so much of it. Um, uh, we wanted to give some shout-outs to a few people. First up is Cindy Lilly from the USA who um, <laughs> who has said, Gina and Val, if you were anywhere along the coast of SC, I'm assuming Southern California right yeah. now, I would hunt you down and hug your neck so tightly. (laughs) I shot my first corporate group photo of 60 60 execs from an elite corporation. I had to stage, pose and shoot them for their company Christmas card. All I really knew about the execs is that they hated last year's photo. They're picky and they don't have a lot of patience. So I would need to shoot it and be done. I was as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. (laughs) Nice, nice metaphor. Um, But your podcasts and invaluable words of wisdom rang in my ears daily as I prepared and gave me enough confidence to go out there and at least pretend like I've been there before. (laughs) I think I've looked at every 90210 photo shoot ever. The shoot turned out to be so much fun and they loved the photos. The CEO was very, very pleased. Thank you so much for your help. I can't express how much it means to me. Never think, and she, she's very sweet. She says, never think that what you're doing is not appreciated because it's better than anything we could ever get in a classroom. It may even be better than Nutella. 
Wow, that's awesome, Cindy. And the photo is brilliant. She's posed and arranged everyone so fantastically and added like little color, little spots of red throughout the yeah. shot. Everyone looks relaxed and comfortable. Well done, Cindy. Awesome, awesome photo, and thanks for the thanks for the all the all the love. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate it. Someone's listening to us. <laughs> um, uh, so let's move on now to Mike Hickman, uh, who ha- he he listened to our last episode on cropping, and he said, "What a load of crop!" A <laughs> man after my own heart. <laughs> yes, yes. And Mike talks about the fact that he. Um, I think it's Mick, isn't it, Gina? Not Mike. Well, anyway, uh, he, he listens to his the podcast on his morning run. Usually, finishes on his drive into work, <laughs> and um, he has taken some photos of his daughter and cropped it, cropped the shots uh, in a variety of different um, crops, and uh, it's awesome, isn't it? It's fantastic and lesson learnt here because he talks about how he shot everything really wide Mm. and then he thought he'd crop in post. And so from a very wide shot where you can see the full person background and then behind the background, he's gone in and cropped in post to a three-quarter and a headshot and realised that the resolution as a headshot wasn't very good and he was limited in he could only squeeze out four by five prints. So lesson learned for him that like in cases like that, it's probably best to just spend the time and crop in camera, take the shot, um, you know, move in with the camera, either zoom in or physically move in to fill the frame so that you've got those options later on when you're handing out or selling prints. So good lesson there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it is, so sorry for saying Mike earlier. Okay, so what have we got? Brian Everingham. Yeah, yeah. I I love this because he's taken a shot of uh, a young teenage male uh, bird in the wild and using his 70 to 300 lens. And what I love about this shot is I never think about how cool the background looks. It's like I think it was an early morning or a dusk shot. And the clarity, Val, it's so incredible. It's really sharp. The colours are beautiful. And it makes me want to do... nature shots and birds and animals because it just it's it's a really cool shot i loved it it's it's like we get all all different kinds of genres in uh, through the podcast it's not just portrait photographers but people who take things of portrait uh, photos of all sorts of things so great shot loved it yeah brilliant shot and um at the risk of sounding like I have not had my coffee today, I have double checked, and it is Mike Hickman. I'm so sorry, Mike. So I was correct, Val. <laughs> you were correct. <laughs> so, so sorry about that, Mike. Um, Brian Turner has take, taken a wonderful family shot and sent it through to us uh, as well, right? Yeah, beautiful shot. And what I love about this is uh, he's uh, been listening to all the advice and uh, he's arranged uh, this uh, large family, two, four, six, seven people in a beautiful triangle. He's got the the father at the head and then they all taper down. He's got uh, people lying down in front and uh, beautiful use of background and the way he's... uh, uh, addressed everyone in sort of unifying colours and just the mood and the vibe 
awesome photo, Brian. Congratulations. Well done. And we'll put these photos in the show notes as well. And if you want to have a look at the show notes, just go to GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. Now, this one is from Phil N. And uh, we'll put this photo in the show notes as well. I, I particularly like it because Phil has actually used Gina's ink presets in Lightroom. So if you're new to us, if you join Gina's newsletter, Gina uh, get, sends out free Lightroom presets that she has created only to people who subscribe to the newsletter. And Phil has used one of these presets and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking that's just awesome. It's a cool shot, isn't it? And that's my East Brunswick ink preset named after a tattoo parlor. <laughs> and um, he's got the beautiful uh, sunset and awesome clouds in the background. And it's a really gritty, he's, he's posed his portrait from a low angle. So his model looks heroic. He's lit it beautifully. Fantastic. Love it. And obviously love seeing my presets being used as well. Yes. <laughs> and one of the things that we do is share our photos in the Facebook groups. If you haven't joined, it's free. Uh, just join the Facebook group and search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. And it's a great group where we share photos like this and uh, comment on each other's shots and also ask questions sometimes when we need some help in, um, in, in our own photography. So uh, thank you for those of you who are in the group um, and do join us if you're, if you're not already there. Now let's move on to a a uh, question, a listener question from Man Gur from Lithuania. And Man Gur has um, said, you know, my parents are artists and and his sister is a well-known photographer. And what he's, he's saying, he can't find his public, so his mm. audience. He's saying that no one likes his style. I don't think that's quite true that no one likes his style. It's that not enough people maybe yeah. know about your style. And he's asked for some advice. So, Gina, what do you think of that? I mean, uh, we'll put some of um, Mango's shots in the show notes, but uh, he does have a lovely style. So he does. Mm. It's a common dilemma, I think, Val, when you're starting out, that it's like how do you find your people and how do you find uh people outside of your friendship circle because obviously your friends are always going to like your photos but it's like you, you, it'd be nice to have like a wider range of people liking your photos so um my advice to to man is like what you uh suggested to us a couple of eps ago in raising your profile is to find a social media um, platform that you like that you enjoy using mm. and uh, I like I, I think Instagram is a great one for photographers oh, uh, yes. be because you can showcase your photos um, start following uh, people who whose work you admire and start connecting with them and like and share and comment on their work so you're developing a connection there with other people um, and then uh, you, you know you've got to make sure that connection is authentic and and then share something every day. Just post all your photos and keep posting. And I think the other really good thing to do is to write about 
your photo, whatever you're comfortable saying about your photo, it might have been, you know, what happened on the day when you 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 took it, or something interesting about the light, or just at, because people love to hear a story and and yeah. how it relates to you and make it really personal. And it's bit by bit by bit by bit, you know. Mm. It's like you just got to chip away and chip away. It doesn't happen overnight, but if you are consistent, then I think you'll find your people, man. Mm, absolutely. Great advice. Uh, big shout out also to Kimberly Ginter from Germany because Kimberly left us a review on iTunes and she has said, I recently found your podcast. I'm so glad I did. It's wonderful. Just jumped on the photography boat this year and I'm learning so much from you too. Thank you for putting out a fun and educational podcast, Hugs from Germany. Thank you, Kimberly. That's, that's awesome. How cool. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the shout outs for this week. Uh, let's move straight on to our topic, Gina. Yep. Now, this kind of came to us because a few people in the Facebook group did ask about lifestyle photography, particularly kind of like um, how to achieve, how to do good lifestyle photography like the kind you see in good stock shots as opposed to the cheesy stock yeah. shots, um, the kind that will actually be used, the kind that's sought after by magazines and that they will pay top dollar for. So, um, uh, yeah, so let's talk about lifestyle photography. First of all, can you define it? What is it and how does it differ from normal portrait photography? Okay, well, lifestyle photography, Val, is it's like it's capturing a snapshot of everyday life but in a creative way and mm. it's kind of like an idealised version of how people want to live, a little bit fly on the wall but it needs to be believable and not set up. So you're capturing a vibe or a mood. Um, yep. So you see it a lot. It's really – it's popular amongst not just uh, stock photographers but like a lot of portrait photographers like to shoot in this way you see it also with food photography now has been shot mm. in a more lifestyle way and uh fashion photography architecture uh you see it used a lot in shopping center advertising and apartments and beer and food commercials like the corona uh uh, I don't know if the rest of the world sees those ads, but like they're a classic example of beautiful lifestyle photography that captures a mood, the sun setting, and it's kind of there's always like the the catch line is like wish you were here or don't you wish you were here, you know, and you mm. really want to be there when you see the shot. Wedding photographers, uh, th there's a genre of lifestyle wedding photographers, and obviously you see it a lot in magazines mm. where you'll see features of celebrities at home, you know, in enjoying uh, life at home, but it's shot in a very lifestyle way. So it's a very idealized version of how they live. We've done a lot of uh, lifestyle work together, yeah. haven't we, Val? Heaps, so we would look, we used to do a lot where we would uh, do stuff for, like Clio magazine and we would batch our lifestyle shoots where yeah. we would like t you'd do three or five days of, of shooting and like plan all the shots get all the models together and, uh, you know, do, do a whole whole stack of stuff. And um, we also – I've also shot for, like, uh, major corporations like banks and uh, airlines and Jenny Craig and shopping centres, magazines and apartments. So it's something that I love doing yeah. and uh, I do a lot. So it's uh, – I think it's a good one to get into today. 
Yeah, great. Yeah, so as Gina mentioned, what we used to do every few months is shoot a batch of lifestyle shots. And what that meant was we would set aside, you know, two or three days and we would book various models. Sometimes we use real people, but often we used models that look like real people. <laughs> What's <laughs> that? Define that. What's a model that looks like a real person? They've got not, something a bit wrong with them or no, they're not? No, <laughs> just not too glamorous, not yes. too, you know, they don't look like Marilyn Monroe. Not too ridiculously really, 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 really good looking. That yeah. was my um, impersonation. Can you guess who it was? No. Derek okay. Zoolander? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was good. It was Okay. <laughs> anyway. It's for you. Um, nice, isn't it, Val? <laughs> so what we do is um, uh, map out the type of shots that we wanted to achieve because you have to plan and you have to structure. And not only do you have to organise your talent, you need to also um, make sure you have the right clothes because if you want to get a whole range of different shots, you need a whole range of different clothes so it's not obvious that they're all shot on the same day. Yeah. And you need um, an ideal location. But I'm sure we'll go into that much more yeah, we in will. this podcast. So, you know, because one of the things that people said in the Facebook group is they want to know how to take those kind of stock shots that mm. don't look like those daggy stock shots. Yeah. So what is the difference between a good lifestyle shot that can be used as a stock shot and a yep. cheese and, and a bad one, really? Yeah, and we'll just say, Val, that like, obviously you don't have to uh, on-sell your stuff to be stock shots if you want to sh shoot yes. lifestyle. So you can of be course. a portrait photographer and just shoot in a lifestyle fashion, which is a sort of a looser style. But basically the things that stand out about a, a bad lifestyle shot to me, uh, the models look um, overposed and mm. stiff and awkward. Like mm. it's like there's something not quite right. They 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 look. It looks like they've obviously been posed in those positions, mm. and you see those like the 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 two businessmen shaking hands oh. really awkwardly, or Gosh. one is pointing, look over there, mm. or pointing at the <laughs> the whiteboard or something like that, mm. and it just looks so set up. The other really good tell of a bad stock shot is a, a lifestyle shot is. Um, that the lighting is obvious, so they're 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 over overproduced. So it might be outside, and you might be in a shady area, but it's obviously been lit by like five lights. You know, mm. it's like a full studio setup, and they just look too slick and that can be great for a studio for an advertising shot which is completely different but when it's lifestyle if it looks too slick it suddenly it doesn't look like a lifestyle anymore the mm. other thing is um sort of uh poor location choices and poor production value. So if it's just like not it, – it's sloppily composed and sloppily put together and not uh, totally well uh, executed, it, it can be, um, you know, a, a sign of a, a like a bad lifestyle shot. But, you know, that's a sign of a bad shot, not just a bad lifestyle shot. Yes, you know, and, and the other thing that I look at is uh, hair and makeup, Val. If it's too perfect, it doesn't sell the shot because, like, who in everyday life mm. looks 
a hundred percent immaculate, not a hair out of place. And, mm. you know, so often, and we'll talk about this a bit later, but like, you know, when I'm doing lifestyle, we opt for, for not having a hair and makeup artist or maybe just having someone grooming, but it's like, it's never a, like a perfect, perfect, perfect sort of hairstyle that you might see in an advertising or a portrait shoot. Mm. Yeah. So obviously the good signs, Val, are the opposite of the bad, but it's like the portraits look really natural and unposed. Like you just happen to be walking past this couple in the park having a picnic Mm. and it just looks like really natural. And uh, the lighting matches in with the lighting of the day. So like if you look at it, you can't tell it's been lit. And that's a sign of a really good uh, lifestyle shot. The location is is great. Uh, and um, there might be like some realness and grittiness, which is something that I like to bring into my lifestyle shots. So there might be a bit of sun flare, Val. Mm. There might be uh, like, I like to shoot my, my um, lifestyle wide open so like I'll focus on say one of the people the person in the background might be out of focus there might be movement of someone walking through the shot it's slightly blurred and that gives gives a sense of what the shot feels like not necessarily what it it should look like everything Mm. in the frame isn't perfectly 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 set up which is like what many photographers have a tendency to do they think that every single thing has to be perfect it's got to be sharp all the way through no lens flare Mm. no sort of little errors but if you think about it when you look at something quickly your eye isn't going to take everything in on into the frame and so you know it's about capturing that moment and the vibe as well well Mm. yeah absolutely so one of the things that I think is absolutely vital in fact it is for me it's what I start with to be honest when I was planning my lifestyle shots is the location and for me when I'd wanted to when I thought okay let's do another batch of lifestyle shots it's when I found an ideal location Mm. and that location um it was often in a home, uh, like a, a nice home, because yep. then you had so many different rooms. You had, you know, a bedroom, you had a living area, you had an outdoor deck, you had, ideally you had all of these things. You had a yeah. kitchen, always with a lot of great natural light. So I know my poor sort of friends and family um, <laughs> often got a phone call from me or sometimes got a phone call from me saying, hey, do you mind if I bring this whole entourage of models <laughs> and people and hair and makeup and all of that to your home and spend a couple of days shooting out of your, out of your home? So I know what my ideas are in terms of what a good location is if it's a home. What are yours? Well, the location, it, it should be uh, like the, the thing with lifestyle, Val, is, is it doesn't like the it doesn't have to be literal like you don't have to like if you're thinking okay I want to do uh, a, a shot of a, a, a father and son fishing so therefore we need to uh, find a lake with boats <laughs> and uh, like every single tell needs to be in the in the shot to to, to sell the shot as mm. as as that sort of environment you only need like a, a couple of key factors and the things you talked about are crucial so like a location that 
is ideal for lifestyle is something where you've got lots of things within a few minutes of each other. So the houses that you talked about, like that's why they're so sought after by uh, lifestyle photographers where there's lots of, uh, you know, the kitchen is great, the outdoor Mm. entertaining is great, everything is great. So you can find outdoor locations and you just need little key components. So again, if we're going back to the um, father and son fishing, all you really need is maybe the edge of a pier. You don't need the uh, boats in the background but you might need to see a little bit of water and uh, and and something that's easily accessible you don't want to find a pier that's five hours away and then you've got to schlep <laughs> through you know the bush for two hours and then it's there it is and no one can ever find it so it needs to be accessible easy to find and it can even be like if you crop carefully enough and and uh, you can it could be in the middle of a city but just the fact mm. that you might see the edge of a bollard and the water is enough to sell that shot. So so it, it doesn't have to be the most obvious locations and, yes. and, and that's what I teach. So like, you know, it might be enough if you want to do beach lifestyle just to see the sand and water. But if you pan the camera like a couple of millimetres the other way, you'll see that like, you know, there's a garbage dump. <laughs> you know, right next to it. And we've done Mm. shoots like that or like Mm. I've shot um, inside a food court at a shopping centre and we've dressed it to make it look like someone's home. We put a picture Mm. on the wall and (laughs) some, some, some things on the table to make it look homely and suddenly it, in the photo, it looks like someone's house. Mm, yeah. So, so you know, they're the kinds of things that you, you, you look for when um, you, you're trying to find the right location. It doesn't have to be everything doesn't need to be in there. Yeah, sure, for sure. Um, so one of the things that we mentioned was, you know, our models, the people that we yep. you bring in, to, whether they're real people or whether they are models who look like real people. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on how to pick the right talent? So this is an interesting one because a lot of um, a lot of advertising agencies that I work with now are using non-models for their photography and there's two reasons for this. Firstly, to keep the cost down because mm. like models, uh, you sign sign them up and you they're allowed to use the shots for a year and mm. then there's loading and it gets really expensive. The second reason is that when you're working with, say, a model who specialises in fashion, you put them in front of the camera and even when they look relaxed they can look posy they naturally pose they're aware Mm. of the camera the whole time Mm. so you you, and and it can look again too slick so there are certain models that are great at lifestyle but I prefer to work with uh, non-models when I'm doing a lifestyle and the thing that I and it's 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 hard sometimes it's a, a guessing game and it's a trial and error but the people who are the best are the people who just don't care about the camera and and they they are not affected they're not overthinking the shot you just mm. ask them to do something and they will just go in and do it and they're really they look really natural and it looks amazing so people that you think on first look are not going to be ideal you get them in front of the camera and they just they just shine they do it because they're so- not 
they're not affected. Where do you get these people from? So we, uh, so as a general rule, when 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 I've been shooting uh, lifestyle for, for different companies, that they they search in amongst uh, friends and family. You put a call out. Does anyone like you might have a certain look that uh, like we want to cast a family, and often you can cast a real family, mm. and they don't look as good as if you handpick. <laughs> <laughs> so often from these, different families, yeah, 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 and you put together a family, and they look more like a family yeah. than the real family so um you know you can handpick and you just put a call out like facebook is perfect for that these days and um people can and uh put a call out to, to amongst friends and families and, and and we've always been able to find like lots and lots of different people often within the company like it might be jan in accounts gets a guernsey <laughs> all the time to do mm. lifestyle and she's good. She's great at it. You know, Jan brings yeah. her daughter, someone has a baby, like that, that you, you you just find people. It, it it's not that difficult, Val. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what are their expectations from the day? Like are they are you paying them? Are they So as a general free? rule, mm. if it's uh if it's going to be a shoot that's used in advertising, then um I think uh the, well the, the companies usually pay them and but they're not getting paid anywhere near what they would be if they're a professional model. I used to like when I was doing stuff for shopping centers, mm. it would often be a voucher to the shopping center or mm. a cash payment or things like that. So it depends, Val, on the shoot, what it's being used for. Mm. Um, and, the, and the prices can vary as well. But they're generally asked to come along. And, um, you know, I, I usually say straight away, you don't need to know how to pose. Just um, I'll tell you what to do exactly. And, uh, you know, and we go into it. So and they might be asked to bring a few key pieces of their own wardrobe as well. Yeah. And I ask because the the shoots that we've done together, I've always booked models who look like real people. Yeah. And I guess one of the reasons I wanted to do that was because I wanted to, you know, make sure that they were going to turn up because, you know, they're being paid. And also because the, the clothes that I had access to, because we needed to shoot many, many different looks, yeah. the clothes I had access to were always sample size. So they needed yeah. to be a certain size in order to fit the clothes. Um, having said that, even though I expect them to be professional, I do recall that we did this shoot once at like my mum's friend's house in, yeah. when we were shooting in Singapore. And um, we shot there because it was a stunning house with an incredible outdoor area and a pool in case we wanted to do shots in the pool and also a wonderful area indoors. And um, some of the models, uh, you know, because I think we had six models and uh -huh. obviously we don't shoot with them all, the sh we don't shoot all six all the time. So while you're off shooting a couple of them, the rest are lazing about and making themselves very at home at my mum's friend's house and smoking and putting out cigarettes on her Oh on her God. outdoor entertaining area and um and she, because she was so lovely she brought out food and oh so God. after after they had their lipstick done they were gutsing all the food and all their makeup was going and so sometimes even when you shoot professional models everyone they don't necessarily always behave professionally no but anyway uh let's talk about props because i know you like props and I love props i i like props too but i'm not very i don't i'm not enough of a forward thinker as you to bring probably enough props i bring some but i never bring enough so 
let's talk about props. Yeah, so like if you're thinking of getting into this style of photography, I think it's a really good idea to start collecting uh, props so that you can have them and uh, you can always like bring them into a shoot. When you so things like suitcases and old cameras and fishing lines and 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 uh, and fishing rods and things like that, but sporting equipment that that just add to the shot and can sell the shot for you. So like uh, if you're doing, say, a Christmas shoot, uh, you might have a a couple together in front of the tree. Okay, the tree says Christmas, but you might just want to add in something like a a wrapped gift uh, or some fairy lights in the background to just sell the idea of Christmas. You don't need everything Christmassy in the background, but just Mm. a few things. Again, the father and son fishing, a fishing rod, a tackle box. You know, someone um, enjoying a a, a picnic together, it might be the picnic basket, you know, and uh, a little bit of fruit and the the picnic rug and things like that. Just little things, Val, Mm. that that help sell the shot, but it doesn't need to be everything. So like one or two items that you look at and you go, oh, yeah, picnic or Christmas or, you know, fishing. Little things like that, and mm. and and like a like often we'll get a stylist that comes on and we'll bring like you know beautiful uh, vintage props that can really lift the look of the shot, like the quality of the props. Mm. Like you know, if you wanted to do a really low budget shoot, you might have those little party poppers that have the streamers. <laughs> That's like low end, but like you get a great uh, a stylist, and suddenly they're getting you know high end decorations that just look beautiful, or yeah. you know uh, beautiful. Uh, tackle boxes you can get beautiful tackle boxes Val for for fishing (laughs) and like anyone who was a fisherman would look at that box and go oh my god that's a beautiful fishing box you know things like that can really take your photography to the next level they really can they really can okay so um let's move on then to Clothes. I've been talking about, you know, the fact that it can be useful, especially if you want to get, if you want to batch your shoots and achieve a lot in in a certain period of time to bring lots of different clothes. And and you've made some comments about hair and makeup. What what are some things that people need to be aware of when it comes to clothes and hair and makeup? So, you know, again, I say people shouldn't look too well-groomed. So that whole, like, you know, uh, hair that looks like a newsreader's hair where it's perfectly Mm. sort of slick, uh, it it doesn't look like a stock shot. So not too overly stock, not too much makeup because no one's wearing a full face of makeup for a picnic, are Mm. they? Well, some people do, but, like, you know, it should look really natural for the environment that you're shooting in. So if it's mum at home with the kids and she's baking cookies, like, chances are, like, if it was real life, (laughs) she'd be in her her tracky dacks and, uh, like, you know, Mm. hair on the scoop. But somewhere in between, like, you know, again, it's a stylized version of someone, so you Mm. don't want it to be too perfect. The thing with wardrobe is... Uh, the type of clothes that people wear are going to limit the background choices you have because, mm. like, the colours or patterns will clash. So I, I try and ask everyone to please avoid bringing stripes or patterns. Yeah. Or too many logos because often if someone's wearing a particular logo style of shirt, then it, it, it might impact on your ability to sell that image later on or use it in certain areas because, oh, no, that clashes with the brand. With, like, yeah. With, 
directly against them. So it's it's like basic colours and basic cuts and also classic. So stick to neutral tones, classic styles. Absolutely. Then it doesn't date. Yes. So, you know, like if you're wearing suddenly, you know, stuff that's of the moment today that looks really groovy, um, in two years' time it's going to look really dated. So you want something that, that's going to give the shot longevity. Um, I and- definitely agree with the classic styles and the neutral tones with occasional splashes of colour because if you can find the right talent, like a, a woman, say, with long hair and just a nice, attractive face but not too, not too striking, not too individual – you can stick her in, you know, a, a light blue linen shirt and put her in front of the kitchen with her hair out. But then you can yep. put her hair up and put yep. glasses on her and put her at a desk and she'll look like a totally different person and people won't recognise that or they can if they really, you know, analyse it. But you can get so many looks out of the right talent if you have um, the right clothes and if you can do different things with their hair. And yeah, just going back to that point, Val, with models, um, I tend to cast, if I'm casting sort of uh, younger models, say in their 20s, my brief is always girl next door, Mm, girl next door and boy, boy next door. And the reason I say this is because it's, it's most appealing to everyone. This is the reason why an actress like Jennifer Aniston is so loved across the board because girls love her because they're not threatened by her. She's beautiful, mm-hmm. but she's not at that beautiful where some women can be jealous or it, it doesn't look authentic that she plays certain roles. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same with Guy. You want a guy that just looks like the guy next door. He's kind of handsome, but mm-hmm. he's not at the Brad Pitt or who, no. who's that? Brendan? Chris Hemsworth. Who's that guy that you love, Brendan? Uh, Brendan Fraser. Oh, no. (laughs) Chris Hemsworth. He's not at that Chris Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth, which I have to agree, he's gorgeous. Mm. And that's like, it's not believable because that's like 1% of the population really. So, so yeah, that's, I always put boy next door, girl next door when I'm casting. Um, Mm. Back to clothes. The type of clothes that people are wearing can can also, like you're looking at putting sort of little hints into the photos, little visual cues that say what it is. And mm. the style and type of clothes can hint at it being a high-end scenario or uh, more a sort of uh, middle or low-end, depending on what market the client is going for or who you as a photographer are pitching towards. Like you, um, So using uh, high-end pieces like watches and handbags, mm. the right people who look at that shot are going to see that shot as it's high-end. Because they'll recognise the, the watch. They the recognise the watch, they recognise the handbag, and also you know the style of uh, the background choice as well can can be a like a hint to so, this is high end and not that like just a few months ago you came and shot in sydney and you shot some yep. lifestyle shots for a very very high-end client yes and one of the things that you did was you got my partner to put on his suit but you yes. borrowed somehow a twenty thousand yeah, dollar watch from somebody i did <laughs> and got him to wear it and made yeah. sure that that was in the shot yeah, and just mm. so because suddenly uh, then it looked it looked high end, and mm. the, and the other things you can do, um, you know, like obviously jeans uh, and 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 t shirts give a more classic, uh, casual look, but the style of jeans and the style of t shirts can also give the uh, look to like high end casual, mm. um, and also little things like if you want to. Uh, 
say these are business people. Obviously, you're going to dress them in a suit, but you know the right suit can say businessman. A different style of suit can say groom or or you know um, men out on the town, but they're not necessarily doing business. So you might need to add a briefcase or an iPad or something mm. like that, and suddenly. They're in a business meeting. They're not just four guys out on the town together, you know, mm. in a bar or something. So, you know, little little visual cues that help sell the shot when it comes to, like, the wardrobe and the hair and makeup. Now, let's move on to lighting because I know that when I the, – the kind of lighting that I love in a lifestyle shot, which the kind of shots I purchase and I use and that I like to style as well, is actually – you know, natural light mm. with maybe some help from a reflector or so. But that's just my taste. Yep. What's your advice on the kind of lighting that should be used in lifestyle shots? So in an ideal scenario, natural all the way because it means you can shoot a lot quicker, it's believable and, you know, the, the, everything gets done a lot quicker. Unfortunately, not every situation um, lends itself to, to using uh, mm. natural light. You're going to get places where you just need a little bit of help. So mm. my ideal for shooting lifestyle is I will use a uh, shoot like I'm shooting for daylight so I expose for the skin tone mm -hmm. and get it looking as close as possible and then I actually just pop a tiny 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 amount of flash using mm -hmm. a large uh, softbox right so it might be a, an, an octobox I mean I've usually got a, an assistant that's holding yeah. uh, the the light on an on, on a pole and it might be overhead and I'm trying to match the the style of lighting to the lighting that already exists. So let's just say I'm shooting in an overcast or inside where the light is very, very soft. I'm mm. going to bring in a very, very soft light just to uh, complement and bring out um, that that the, the, the skin tones. Sometimes I don't even light the front. I might just, if, if the shot overall looks really flat, I might just add a hair light in so it looks like sunlight streaming in from the background mm. and it gives it gives that shot that extra lift that it needs because otherwise it can tend to look really flat. So if it was hot, if it was outside full sun like midday, God forbid anyone asks you to shoot at midday, the sun's <laughs> above, you've got raccoon eyes going on <laughs> because the awful shadows are cast, mm. then I match the light, I need a harder style of light so I'll use something like a, a beauty dish or a, a, a like a grid spot modifier that creates a hard style that matches in with the light that's already um, there and it's with lighting less is more so you I sort of uh, am fairly conservative when I'm lighting and I'm always looking for does this look lit if it looks yeah. lit I've gone too far mm -mm. So in terms of um, shooting real people, how do you find that they take direction in, in these lifestyle shots? Do they become quite self-conscious? Because, you, they, as you say, you kind of want to catch them doing something natural, you, yeah. you know. So you're kind of directing them to do something natural. Exactly. <laughs> What's your advice on directing people in lifestyle shots? So there's a technique, yeah, basically. Because it's very different to shooting them as a portrait. 
it really is. So, mm. like, if I'm shooting a portrait, I'm posing them, stand here, lean here, do this. Mm. But if you do that in a lifestyle shot, it's obviously going to look posed. So what the direction is a, a bit more minimal when I'm asking people to uh, go and say if I've got uh, people sitting around a table, I'm never going to say, I want you to sit in this particular way. I want them to go. I'll just say, go and sit here and allow them to sit in a way that is natural to them. They'll just mm. sit. But what I will do when I'm posing like large groups is I might position them in a particular way so that I'll get the best angle and be able to see everyone mm. properly because, you know, you have to cheat it a little bit that way. So if I've got a group of people at a table, I might leave uh, part of the front of the – I won't sit someone directly in front of the camera so that I'm shooting into the back of their head. I want to mm. see – but I will position people um, – so I can shoot through through them into the group that I need to photograph. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I'll often, like if I'm shooting, um, say, a, a group of people, and I, I don't think I'll put it in the show notes, but I'll add it in. I did a, a family who were waiting at a bus terminal mm. and it looked really empty. I had the family there. It looked odd. So I actually got the whole crew to stand in front of my <laughs> lens, just sort of in different positions. So it then became like I was shooting through a crowd mm. into the group of people and it became more realistic. So once I've got everyone in position and I'm seeing them as I want to see them, I give each person something to do. So it might mm. be one activity to just repeat. So I might just sit there. It might be enough of, uh, to just say, okay, you're sitting next to each other. Sometimes I'd like to give scenarios, Val, because you know, know I like <laughs> to bang on when I'm talking about yes. stuff. So, and I can get really sort of detailed in the scenario. So I'll say like person one sitting next to person two, person one, okay, so – You've just been on a date. You're telling your friend all about everything that happened on the date. The thing with lifestyle is if people are talking to each other, it can look a bit flat if they're not animated in how mm. they speak. So I always encourage people, I know that maybe you don't speak. Like I speak with my hands a lot, Val. Mm. when I'm speaking and it looks like you're speaking in a photo. So if someone's just sitting there and talking, all you see is their lips moving. It's not animated enough. Mm. So basically what I say is like if you're telling a story, just use your hands a little bit to emphasize the point and yep. it's more than feels natural. Yes. But it looks great in photos. It does. And so one person's telling the story. The other person, I just say, I want you to listen and I want you to take sips of your co uh, coffee. So there's a shot mm. in the show notes where I've got a couple, a, guy, a couple of guys outside a cafe and one guy is telling the story and the other guy's just listening and he's looking at the guy and he's drinking his coffee. The other guy's using his hands to in an animated fashion. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. and, and, and again... When you're giving direction for lifestyle, try not to be too complicated. Just one thing is enough. Like, can you can you rub your tummy and pat your head at the same time? Yeah. Can you do that? Typical. Yeah. <laughs> I can, but and so could you do that and have a conversation with me and not have a pained expression on your face? Yeah. <laughs> you probably could too. You can play the piano too, can't you? 
not and rub my head and pat but my tummy. Can, but, you can, but you can. So, like, so you're a bit of an overachiever. <laughs> I think um, there are just some people who can do the whole rub your tummy and pat your head at the same time because we just did it so much when we were kids that it's just like breathing now. So I'm using that as an analogy because, <laughs> okay. like, if you ask most people to do that, they can do it. Like, I can do it, Val. I'm not saying I can't do it. I can, but. I'm doing it now as I'm talking to you. Now you're just bragging. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but the look on my face when I'm doing it is not relaxed and comfortable. I look, I'm concentrating or I've got a pained expression on my face. So the point is if you give someone a model too many things to do, yeah. like lean in and talk and move your hands and pick up the bag at the yeah, same it's time. It's too hard for them. The look on their face is going to be like concentration and confusion. Yes. Pick up the bag, put it on the table, put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, and it's as easy as that. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I might, and then when they get good at that, then I might say, now look over your shoulder and laugh at the same time, <laughs> you know. So you can build on that depending on the model and some, because some people, you might get a Valerie who <laughs> asks her, okay, rub your head, Valerie, pat your, t- no, pat your, pat your head, rub your tummy, piano um, with one hand and also work out this complicated math formula. <laughs> Go and smile okay. at the same time. And you would remember all those things and be able to do them, but not <laughs> Okay, let's move on. I just want to add one other point to the show notes um, from a magazine editor's point of view. I think that when uh, shooting lifestyle, always shoot horizontal and vertical so that you, especially if you're doing it for something like a magazine, because then you give them options. Yeah. Um, so, and, and in this day and age, it's so easy because there's no wastage of film, you know what I mean? It's, uh, you can shoot, I mean, there's there's time taken in editing, in editing your shots and culling them, but certainly not the expense that there used to be. So shoot vertical and horizontal for sure. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and just to echo something else is if you want to get as many shots as possible, whether you do want to do it for stock shots or whether you do want to, um, uh, you know, provide lifestyle shots for a client, a, a variety of lifestyle shots for the client, is that you you can always get more than one look from a situation. Yeah. Like I said, have a think about, like Gina mentioned, you want lots of different locations. So you can go, well, this corner's the living room, this corner's the outdoor area, the corner's the outdoor area, whatever. But simple thing like change from a linen shirt to a T-shirt um, can make a world of difference. Simple yeah. things like just changing your hair or putting a cap on a guy or, mm. you know, gi- giving them a kid <laughs> or not a kid um, yeah. can can really make, you can really make the most of your time in a lifestyle shoot. So it's just a little yeah. bit of planning can go a long way and making sure you, you just do as much variety as possible and you'll get a lot out of your lifestyle shots because one of the big things that, you know, I wanted to do when we were doing lots of lifestyle shots is get as many lifestyle shots yes. as possible. Yeah, yeah. So, Great yeah. point. And, and it's like you can have one shot set up, Val, where 
everyone's wearing sort of blue tones and then you can go, okay, everybody changed to red mm. and everyone's then got red shirts on because someone who's buying that shot goes, oh, it's a great shot, but I wish they were all in red yeah. because it, blue doesn't go with our logo or something. It might be a small reason like that. So while you've got them, same shot, just everyone change and bang, away you go. You've got a whole other shot and maybe a sort of a, a wider audience that you yeah. can uh, then sell that to. And if you don't have uh, access to a stylist, because I used to style all of the shots, is that a couple of things, always get your models, whether they're real people or not, to bring the basics. So always bring a pair of jeans, always bring, you know, a good white shirt, always bring a T-shirt, that sort of thing. Mm. But if you have a certain look, like it's a casual summer barbecue or whatever, you can potentially get a whole lot of different um, items, say from, let's say it was a casual barbecue in a at a camp site, you could get a whole heap of clothes from Jeans West or whatever, right. and yep. make and you can get you know half your wardrobe from there, men and women. So yep. and of, of course, if it's a high end client, you would go for a different label altogether. But yep. um, and for America, it might be you know American Apparel or whatever yep. for our yep. American listeners. So you can sometimes get that and, and get you know borrow the clothes is what I mean from that label and offer them a credit in the because it's going to end up being in a magazine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that brings us towards the to to the end of uh, our episode this week. Do you have anything else you want to add about lifestyle shots, Gina? Uh, just one more thing. I give uh, all the models uh, eye lines as well ah, because that yes. really helps uh, for each. And uh, and mm. then you, you always allow everyone to relax into the shot and make sure that you have fun, joke, tell tell stories, do everything you know. But the eye line one is really important. Otherwise, yes. everyone's looking the wrong way. And mm. so you give them something physical to look at. Okay, so model one, I want you to look at that that uh, stop sign over there. That's your eye line. Model two. And, and so that really helps mm. because otherwise people tend to look around a bit confused and uh, that that can actually like ruin the shot you can have everything yes. right and the one person kept looking the wrong way particularly so, useful for group shots yeah i, ne- I never thought yes. of that yeah you're right yep, yep, mm. yep. great well i have to say that hashtag gina challenge this week must be hashtag lifestyle yeah so if you're new to this podcast into the community we have a hashtag gina challenge every week and we have a particular theme or topic and in the past we've had you know uh hashtag black and white or hashtag uh, portraits or whatever and this time it's hashtag lifestyle and you can interpret that however you like and uh, upload your shots to the Facebook group um, we'd love to see them in the Facebook group and see what you what your interpretation of hashtag lifestyle is and it can mean anything it's totally fine and if you're new we encourage you if you've never posted before we encourage you to post because it's it's a great community um, if you are working through the back catalogue because we know there there are a lot of new listeners so if you're working through the back catalogue it's still okay to do hashtag um, backlit or hashtag whatever it is that we've done in the past as long as you put the hashtag Gina challenge and then the hashtag of the topic we'll know what you're referring to Mm. so I understand Gina that you are going to Japan yes tomorrow goodness me I'm very 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 excited what are you going to do there what are you going to shoot there what do you tell us 
<laughs> so um, I've got lots of plans for, for mm. things to shoot. Um, so I'll be in Tokyo and I'm going to take the bullet train to Kyoto as well. So um, I've got, uh, I think, about five shots that I need to uh, do for the book still. So I'll be getting those. And and then if I have some spare time, I'm going to photograph. There's like so many bikes in Japan, Val. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. I will eat my body weight in beautiful Japanese food and um, I can't wait. Lots of street photography as well. I'm going to actually have a go at the sort of that sling style where you've just got the, the camera sort of down by your hip. Yeah. Taking taking shots and, and, and things like that. So um, very, very excited. What, what have you got on this week? Well, I won't be going to Japan or anything <laughs> as exciting as that, but listeners may remember that last time Gina went overseas, well, she went to Cuba, but she also went to Vegas yeah. and uh, she had some nights with no sleep. Is that going to be on the agenda again, Gina, in Japan? I don't know, Val. I can't predict these things. <laughs> Why do you ask these questions? Rest assured, listeners, that you know, uh, you know my voice goes what, higher when I get defensive. What goes on in Japan <laughs> won't stay in Japan because I'll get it out of her. I'm not doing anything nearly as exciting, Gina. I have uh, my partner. And I have bought a couple of kayaks, and oh. we will probably be going kayaking this weekend. Nice. And, yeah, so I have to find a way. I'm still only I, because the kayaks are new. I've only been out once. I'm only bringing my iPhone out. I'm not sure. I'm too scared to bring out the you know big the boy big camera until yeah. I figure out how to make everything watertight and not tip over in the kayak. Yeah, but um. I, I, I do bring the iPhone out, so I can take photos that way, but I'm still kind of getting used to the kayak. It's great fun, actually. So, it's, I mean, and it's great exercise. Yeah, and I hope to, you know, because there's a lot of places to explore in our area, so I hope to go to lots of different inlets and different islands and things like that So and get lots of good shots once That's I actually... Islands, Val? Where are you going, New Zealand? How, like, where are you going? <laughs> Oh, in New Zealand. <laughs> How far? Look, where are the islands? There are little islands near me. Really? Yeah. I can't wait to see your new place. <laughs> You'll be where, there soon. Oh, we'll record a podcast. Are you near Branson? Where do you live? God. Near Branson? You think <laughs> I'm near Necker Island? No. <laughs> You're nuts. <laughs> you will see it in a few weeks, Gina. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> where do we find you online? Uh, so I'm at Gina Militia, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, and that's Instagram and Twitter, and you can also find me uh, in the Facebook group very late at night. Yes. I doubt in Japan. You'll also find me in the Facebook group and you'll find me at Valerie Koo on uh, Twitter and Instagram and I'm easy to find on Facebook. But uh, do join um, Gina's newsletter as well because it's awesome. There's unique stuff that only goes out to newsletter subscribers and you can sign up also at, uh, at Gina's website, ginamilitia.com. So until Gina comes back from Japan, we look <laughs> forward to talking to you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.